Hey everyone, if you're already watching on YouTube, then hi, hello. But if you're not, I'd like to inform you that video is now a part of this podcast. Check it out on youtube.com slash zombiegrub. My guest for episode three is pro player turned caster, Pig. We had a lot of fun in this episode, so apologies if our laughing gets in the way of the serious caster discussion. But seriously, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to our second Australian caster. everyone welcome to caster calls episode three this time i'm with uh well another australian i am with pig here to talk about commentating and perhaps a little bit of his uh program pro gaming to commentator career as well thank you so much for joining me pig how you doing i am doing fantastic it's been kind of a chaotic week i've got a lot of things going on um it kind of turns out when and I'm sure you you know the same thing. When you work from home already and suddenly everyone else is forced to be in their house watching us do our thing, it feels like everybody is watching Twitch TV, watching live streams and hanging out and gaming communities are kind of going wild right now. So I just feel like there's so many things going on and there's so many events I'm planning and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a busy week. It's Wednesday afternoon. It's sunny here in Sydney, Australia. And uh, thanks for staying up well past midnight to uh, accommodate me i appreciate it <laughs> yeah we're at uh, around twelve thirty my time but you know i like to be more welcoming to my guests than force you guys to be on my time because i really do appreciate it because we're gonna be talking for you know probably an hour and a half so far i've been talking with people and that has been the the bare minimum basically there's so many interesting things to talk about on the subject of a lot of stuff happening, actually, have you noticed an, an increase in viewership or monetary value or anything like that with the whole quarantine thing? Yeah. I mean, a few people were asking me this on my channel. They're like, oh, are things better for you now? And I was like, it's a very hard question to answer because as a live streamer, which is what I consider my main job right now, has been for the last couple of years, that's like the core of everything I do. And it's massively up and down because sometimes you've got a few generous people that make up a large proportion of your revenue sometimes you've got a whole community all chipping in a little bit sometimes there's waves where it's dry everyone's attention's elsewhere there's a spree of tournaments that are on every day and everyone's kind of got their attention elsewhere sometimes i think we basically are entertainers as, as streamers as well so i think at the moment the last few weeks i've actually gone through one of the big high points probably the highest i've had in about four and a half five months where it was a bit of a lull, but there's many reasons for that. So for me, it's like, I've kind of just started to bring together a lot of new projects with my own podcast, with a bunch of other things, different types of content I've wanted to do for a while, um, like putting out a newsletter and, and having a more open and honest dialogue with my fans and kind of trying to open up about a lot of personal things. I've been working on all that sort of stuff. And there's been this downtime where I haven't been as on point while I'm streaming. And I feel like we've kind of I've built up momentum and I've hit a very good point. It's also coincided with a lot of people being stuck at home, but I'm very aware of the fact that, eh, you know, oh, COVID's worse. The stock market dips another 20%. More people not getting shifts and suddenly things could go very dry within a week or two. So I always try to not stare at the numbers too much. 
because I've found that it's better for my mental health and it's also better for me having a good time. And there is a very direct relationship as an entertainer who is based on a tip system like we are, where it's like, hey, just you know, tip what you feel like. If you're having a good time and having fun, people give you money. And if you're having a bad time, there's a feedback loop, but people aren't getting a good energy from your stream. They don't want to support. So for me, it's like, I have to not focus on the numbers or I will inevitably be focusing on the wrong things and just not having as much fun while I'm live. Mm -hmm. It's a really tough thing to do, I think, especially in our market, but also just generally freelance and really generally life. It's really hard to look forward you know, always keep in mind what could be coming or what could be something in the future that you're striving for, but to actually focus on it really does terrible things to your mental health. Now, speaking of mental health and you as an entertainer, do you ever feel the pressure? You know, since I, I kind of have, you know, I, I don't get to do the same things I was doing before, just like a lot of other people out there, but yet I do the same job, which is to to be the the, yeah, as you said, keep that positive energy going on stream. And I felt I don't want to ever say it's unfair because I am really thankful <laughs> that I that I have my job and I can do this and uh, not have to worry so much. But there is a little bit of that just like, oh, well, I mean, everyone could lament in their pajamas, basically, <laughs> if, they, if they if they can't go to work or if they work from home. But we always have to be ready to be on top of our game in a, in a positive way for people who are watching us, because a lot yeah. of people do actually come into chat and say, thank you so much for streaming. It's really helping me during this time. Does it ever wear on you? You know, it, it has in the past. I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Like the more I, I kind of develop my own techniques for just keeping that positive momentum going generally. Um, you know, I took the classic streamer approach when I went full time late 2017, I think that was. And it was, so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to grind myself down on this, you know, on this, on this thing called streaming, you know, minimum eight hours a day, six days a week. I was very proud after three or four months of the first few months going full-time with Twitch streaming, where I was like, bam, 250 hours live this month, you know? And and it's like, wait, that's not healthy, dude. That's crazy. And then you're like, oh, like, you know, I got to keep the positivity going. Hey, let's do another 24-hour stream. It's the second one in the three-week period. Like this is, talk about throwing your, your mental health out. So I, I don't know. I've had times where I think back then I felt the urge, like I just had to be on all the time. And nowadays, I'd say I'm a little bit more selective where it's like, it is more just about bring the positive energy, right? Bring the good vibes. And it's all about creating a system that does that as much as possible. But there are still days where it just is not there. And for me, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, sometimes you have one of those days and you're like, I just am a miserable you know, person. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. I think it's important to always go, hey, wait a second. We're not machines. We can't just switch it on and off all the time. And the more you try to force it or fake it, the more you're going to burn yourself out in the long run. And maybe you'll come off as still quite positive and happy, but two months down the line, you're going to be an empty, hollow husk of a human being. And I always joke with my streamer friends. I know I've talked to you about this before, how you have like that friend and you love their content and you watch them and then you go to their channel and then they're a little bit more negative. And then the next week, they're a little bit more negative and down, but they're somehow doing more hours live than normal. And they're like, got to do the thing, got to do the promotion and the blah, blah, blah. And at some point, you're like, oh, there's like this just negative vibe seeping out. And you're, you're kind of shouting. You don't want to go in there, chat and say this, but you want to say, take a break, take a week off, take a few days off. Because, you know, is it going to give you a jagged drop off in your sub count? 
and your income? Yes, yes, it is. But in the long run, I mean, right, all you're seeing is things plateau or go downwards and you're trying to force it. And it's like, you've got to take time for yourself because if you can have like a balanced life and a happy life, and in fact, err on the side of feeling like you're not working, but you're just playing video games and having fun for a living, which is what we should be trying to do because that's the energy people want from us. If you can do that, I think it's just, people love that shit. You know, if they can come and get an escape and you can just be having fun and having a silly time, even if you're a competitive gamer, laughing when you lose and having fun and finding the joy in, in the silly moments, like that's, that's kind of the quest. And I think, yeah, sometimes even when I've been keeping things together, it's like, I got to realize, and this is something I got to do a better job of all the time, when I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and two hours into my stream, when I'm getting salty about silly stuff because somebody beat me in a video game, that it's time to go, you know what, guys? We're going we're gonna to go watch a silly replay or we're going to end the stream and come back tomorrow a better, happier person and just not try to force my way through that barrier because we can't be positive vomiting rainbows all the time, right? <laughs> no, we really can't. You've always had like kind of a, a cerebral way of looking at streaming, which is why I think that you've, you've done very well uh, with your stream. There's definitely different ways to do well with your stream, but I always felt like the way you talked about it was, was really good. And this might go actually back to your days as a pro gamer, which you actually started off being one of Australia's representatives for StarCraft 2. So I guess before 2017, right? Well, well, kind of actually during 17, because you became a streamer when you were a pro gamer to supplement your income. That's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, I was competing basically since the early days, but I guess like 2012 was like uh, when I first got kind of doing international tournaments and then tape it off from about mid 2015 i started commentating it's the rough timeline really 2015 yeah. what was your first event um internationally or like local uh well what was your first local event Ooh, um first local one was like a few weeks after sc2 came out and it was literally just like a local internet cafe i just swapped to zerg because this was after like this was like first season of open season GSL. Everyone was complaining about um, Terran was unfair. Terran's unfair. Oh, that one base Thor drop. You just can't stop that one base Thor <laughs> drop. That tank on the high ground, you know? So I, I remember going, ah, I'm sick of people whining every time I win. I'm going to play Zerg since that's the weak race and that fruit dealer kid is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and I got like six pulled twice in a row and just died because I didn't know how to stop a six pull. <laughs> And then, um, and then I played the 2v2 tournament with my brother and we had a lot of fun and, um, we eliminated Moonglade because it was best of one, um, uh, like all good <laughs> tournaments in the 2v2s <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then we, and then we just got eliminated in the next round anyway. So we didn't even win the 2v2 tournament, but, um, it was a fun experience. Okay. Yeah. So what was your first international event? That would have been Guangzhou 2011. So I think that's late, mid 2011, sometime around then. Wow. Uh, qualified for that one. Went over there with Ayagos, um, the Gimli Terran, who I actually really miss. He's not really playing at the moment anymore. So he's, yeah. I still see him on Twitter and on Discord and everything, but I really need to actually make an excuse to hang out with him. Um, but we went over to China. That was the one, Idra won. Yeah, Idra beat Elfie in the finals. That was it. I don't even remember that one. That must have been like slightly before I was really into the whole circuit. It's probably maybe you starting to watch Idra. China stream, tournament but... as well. So nobody watched the China time yeah. zone back then. <laughs> true, 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 true that. Yeah. So you are, you've actually been a pro gamer for a pretty darn long time. And then what, when did you start casting? Was it alongside your streaming or was there an event that I'm forgetting? 
Um, so basically timeline was 2014. I like lived in Europe for a few months in the MYI house and stuff. And I kind of pushed to get some big successes and didn't get any. And then I was kind of getting into streaming from the start of 2015 when I came back from that, because I literally couldn't pay rent when I got off my flight home from Europe. I was like, Ooh, I didn't win any big tournament money. I got this like 200 pound check from an online cup and like a hundred bucks from a go for a seat to you where like, you know, it was, it was kind of insane. So I streamed, was still competing, qualified for WCS, had my best WCS run season one, 2015. And then played way too much Hearthstone mixed with streaming and coaching, didn't practice properly and got destroyed in season two Australia um, regional qualifiers and then got invited to go analyze my first event by Apollo and Kolaris and everyone. So that was the first time, season two WCS 2015. And then I kind of just got asked back after that. I was very lucky because I'd always enjoyed kind of hopping on. And whenever I was at an event, I'd always go, hey, can I commentate a series? So I'd kind of cast an IEM series with Day9 back in 2012 with like Maynard and Singapore in 2013. So I'd hopped onto desks. I, I cast a series with like Penguin before uh, or a tournament we did in Switzerland, the MYI team put on. So I'd kind of always enjoyed talking about the game. So it was, I guess, a natural progression, but it was also incredibly lucky that right when I was bombing out worse than ever in tournaments, when I really needed money and to make it, I was very lucky that they asked me to start analyzing and casting at that time. Or I might be, I don't know, at the, the drive-through right now. Um, <laughs> do you want fries with that, you know? Yeah, uh, delivery maybe nowadays, but but yeah, <laughs> that's that was pretty lucky. Do you, I mean, were you, do you contribute a lot of that, you know, asking you to come back on just because you would ask them to hop on or were you really becoming quite good friends with a lot of the casters behind the scenes? Do you think there was a bit of a a need for what you were providing? Like was, do you have any specific I reason? I definitely didn't have any kind of back back uh you know net, networking um kind of friendship but i'd had a few good series and stuff like they they as like the hey we'll show a, a silly match for the first match of like one of the 2013 dream hacks they put me up and i beat a korean player lucky in in like a match on the stage and they were like oh that wasn't meant to happen we were meant to watch the australian get bopped um <laughs> in the first group stage of dream hack um but uh, they're like, oh, we beat him with Mass Zergling run buys on Whirlwind. Oh, cool. So I had had a few little interviews like that. And I guess I was just always very, I, I, you know, I like unashamed person who likes being in front of a camera, I think. I like having the limelight on me. I, I always kind of enjoy that. So I think I was always super uh, exuberant in interviews and energetic and stuff. So I, I'd also, I think, had a, a big part of it was Dot. So my girlfriend was super involved with everything. And she basically created awesome content she was making videos we did interviews together at these dream hack events interviewing players and casters and whoever else we did one with like tlo and his brother arvid i believe it was at dreamhack stockholm and like uh, she also did some really nice after videos from like cool time lapse music playing all this stuff of these events and you know i think people were just kind of surprised to see people who were from this far corner of the world who weren't really part of any of the existing orgs creating cool content so i think she helped put my name out there a lot more as well so i think that gave me a lot of um a lot of limelight yeah a lot of attention yeah what do they say like behind every successful man is a woman 
It's not what's happening here. <laughs> I get all the credit. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, that is actually a very famous, famous thing. And usually, I mean, if you think about it, there's usually a, a goddamn gigantic team and network of things that have helped that person get to where they are, right? That you don't see. I always think of like a tennis player when they get up on stage for like a trophy and they have like a five minute list of people they're thanking that like basically get them how to play. But I think you don't have that in esports, especially not 10 years ago. And I've always said that there is no way I would have be where I am today if it wasn't for Dot, because basically she was always by my side, kind of teaching me how to have like, to be more organized and shit. Cause I'm somebody who just does shit and is really undisciplined and stuff naturally. But she was always there like, Hey, yeah, fucking go after it. And there were times where I was earning no money playing games and she was, you know, she was putting food on the table and stuff. So it's, uh, literally something which wouldn't have been possible unless I had gone back to my parents' basement. But that also wouldn't have been possible because their internet was so bad. I would never have been able to play online cups or practice properly at all, which is my little brother's situation right now. So shout out to Pig Jr. who is uh, (laughs) playing on integrated graphics on a laptop on this shitty fold-out desk. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. He still beat me the last time we played on ladder. God damn it. Wow. He's a, he was a really cool guy when I'm at Ozcraft. Oh, you met him, didn't you? I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah, he was he was really cool. And he, I think he has the same thing. Like he could he could also become a caster in the future. I mean, oh, he yeah. runs in, in the family. Yeah, he's very good on camera. You didn't watch any of the interviews? I saw I saw a few bits. Yeah, he was having fun. There was like all the uh, <laughs> like Aussie foods and stuff. You guys were doing the videos together, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, did they give you guys fairy bread? Yes, they did. Good. Good. Supposedly correct. I, I feel like I've I've talked to people about that interview segment or whatever you want to call it, and people were like, "Oh, they didn't do it correctly." I'm like, "Okay, all right. there's like no every, butter on every it, person's right? mom." Like, I think. Well, I thought there was. I don't remember now, but I thought meant, there was. There's got to be butter. You've got yeah, to have some. Yeah, there was margarine. Okay, yeah, but margarine or butter. There's got to be some fat for the sugar to stick to. I mean, it literally yeah. is sugar fat bread. That is literally <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was an experience. I mean, as soon as I bit into it, I knew exactly what it was. But uh, I ended up really liking cherry ripes. Oh, so nice! I, you know, I would ask like Maynard to to buy me some. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, anyways, yeah, he was he was very cool. But that's a really wholesome story. I had no idea that that uh, Dot was was so involved. It does seem like a lot of the success stories in esports have a lot of cases that there was some type of safety net. And if there wasn't yeah. a safety net, then there was a, a, a hand extending, basically saying, I see your potential. Let me bring you up. And it was always also a little bit of that timing, right? Because a hand can come out and say, let me pull you up. But if you're $50,000 in debt because of college, you're, you're, you're kind of in trouble, basically. Oh, Unless yeah. that hand is like, uh, I don't know, maybe like a CSGO caster. But even, even then, I don't think so. <laughs> But yeah, there's there's always a little bit of that, but it sounds like you just you also had a bit of that, you know, a little bit of safety net, a little bit of of someone helping you out, and a little bit of just that natural charisma that uh, gave you the the best opportunity to be that player that got pulled up. Because I know StarCraft has experimented with a few different player casters at this point, um, and even some writer casters. You know, Wax Angel at, at DreamHack. Um, <laughs> we had Snoot. We had Teal. Well, the, yeah, we had Tealoa right officially as an analyst at one point. Todd. Uh, was a pro gamer who was brought up as an analyst. Yeah. A couple others I'm forgetting, I'm sure. People always want Harsim and Lambo, and I wouldn't, I don't disagree. <laughs> They're quite good. 
I mean, they're the homes. They're basically home story cop mainstay casters at this point. Those two, right? Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, like coming up as a player and then actually making that full time transition to a caster. At what point did you shed the pro gamer skin and finally just fully admit that you are a streamer slash caster? Ooh, um, I mean, I think I think I started. Uh, this is a very hard thing to do because when you're a competitor and you play the game and your ego's on it, you want to do it all the time. Um, so I think it took me like a year to do that, and I think it started when I came back from that European trip where we'd put all my sponsorship dollars into basically being able to hit up all these events and travel over there and not be crazy jet lagged and and actually get a bunch of repeat performances and an extended period to improve, which is what Australian esports players always have lacked. Is they they get one tournament at a sudden difference in skill, you know, with with no chance to really adjust and adapt and practice it. So um, when I came back from that without the successes that I'd aimed for, I think there was like the beginning of like, ooh, I probably need to get a different job. And then streaming and coaching, which is something I'd kind of put aside at that point, I kind of picked back up and started working on because it was the quickest way to make money initially. So I think there was already a little bit of like, a I don't want to quit pro gaming, but it is not feasible financially. So that helps you start making that decision. (laughs) And then yeah. as is always the way after my my failure to get performances there, it was, you know, five, six months later. And then I was basically the six month period after that Europe trip, I won every online cup in Australia and I was doing the best I'd done in WCS because all the practice was paying off, but I already almost had one foot out the door. So that was a point where I, I was like, well, I'm doing better than ever. I can do both. I can be a streamer and a player. And, uh, and as always my lifelong habit of overloading myself with too many different things that I think I can juggle all at once. And then my expertise, I always like to say, is half-assing a whole lot of things uh, and, and failing at many at once until I realize <laughs> I, need to, I need to whole-ass one thing, not half-ass everything. <laughs> and, um, and that definitely happened when I got eliminated. And I think I basically after I started doing those events late 2015, I was like, look, hey, I'm getting these opportunities this is this is my future. It's got to be casting. It's got to be streaming. Um, I I got a deal to do three events with ESL in late 2015 after that initial event, but they were all in Europe. So I lit- they got me a shitty little apartment with like no internet or anything that I lived in. It's like one bedroom apartment just down the road from their studio, and I just lived there for a month and a half around these events, which they were nice enough to do and. You know, I mean, I think about it, they were paying me peanuts uh, compared to what casters should be and were getting paid, but it was a ton of money to me at the time and it was a great opportunity. And I just streamed for a month straight from the ESL studios with crazy good quality like I'd never done before and had this huge European kind of fan base that that popped up because I was hitting their time zone. And I was like, whoa, okay, we've got to really not just juggle everything but we need to go professional we need to find a way to like carve out a niche and say this is my spot i am needed for the scene i need to fill a necessary hole i can't just be like hey guys i'm here look at me come to my stream there needs to be some direction or something special Uh, and i guess it was soon after that when i started doing the pig daily and i started doing all of the races and i basically decided i wanted to be the teacher slash expert of starcraft in general there'd been pro players for one race for one area of the game they were an expert in, we'd never had a holistic expert player caster um, who did all three races. Uh, so I kind of wanted to to fill that. And I think that was 
what drove most of my journey for all of 2016 and about half of 2017 as well. Okay. Yeah. Couple of couple of things I can branch off from there, but first of all, what were your? Do you remember your first casts? Uh, it sounds like your first casts were actually not online for the majority of your uh, career, like many of the other commentators who came up. But rather, you got pushed kind of to the uh, the offline gig on the on to the cameras and the bright lights pretty quickly because you seem to be just kind of natural at it. Do you remember it? And if you do, do you remember what were the things that you? found difficult about commentating and you were like oh this is why this is a this is a job and not just something that people do on the by and by you know i think i only had that once i actually was getting paid i think as a player (laughs) i had nothing on the line at all i had no responsibility whoever i'm casting with had to do the talking all i had to do was gush about some of the pro plays oh look that thing's really cool so I, there was no pressure, right? There was no onus. It was just, hey, cool, let's talk about some games. You know, I always remember the moment where Carmack thought it was really funny um, to get me to stay up there after we'd cast our series because it was the final uh, final match of the Open Qualifiers, I believe it was, at this IEM Cologne, and I'd already qualified to groups, and he he like got us to read out who was in my group and reveal it and see it for the first time on stream. And I, it was like MVP, Nesty. It was like every best player had gone <laughs> into my group. You know, but I enjoyed it. I was like, oh my God, that's actually, he's lying, right? And Comex just there like, nope, we're not lying. That was randomly drawn and just laughing at me. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. So um, I did, I really enjoyed it. But once you actually start getting paid and you're doing it a lot and you're trying to be more professional and there's stuff on the line because you've actually got a job to do. I think that's where I remember pressures coming in and I remember really struggling with talking way too much, something I still do all the time, even right now on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it, it was basically like talking over my co-commentator, talking too much, uh, shouting uh, at times where I wanted to bring so much hype that there was like you're hyping things that don't need to be hyped, you know, everything's a hundred percent rather than a, a game should be a journey up and down. Um, you know, it was all very, if I go back, there's passion in my voice and there is knowledge about the game and there is literally zero other commentary skills. Like that's it. It's just like passion, excitement, and Hey, I can talk about the game, but there's very little anything else. No chemistry with the commentators, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And that could be some of the things that you just don't think of, right? I think talking with other people, like, uh, obviously, I think when you ask a general fan, uh, let's say, let's say a StarCraft 2 fan who actually is dedicated, I should rephrase. They'll be like, knowledge is number one, get me a programmer up there, and uh, I'll be happy. And you're like, okay, like, uh, do you really want that, though? You think you do, but you don't. But it does work, like, initially, right? But then there are all these extra things that suddenly come to mind that actually make a, a broadcast actually, like, smooth and, and flowing and, and pretty good. But I think, it, like, StarCraft Two has had a history of, shockingly, okay, this might come as a surprise to some people, but again, I've talked to other casters, like, the first event you do is actually usually, you're usually received quite well. Mm. Unless you're just, you're, you're, I'm talking, like, maybe 2015 and onwards. Yeah. Because I know there's been... The number of casters who popped up and, and left before that was would change that. But anyways, but after that, like I feel like every caster who's actually done an offline event uh, who's popped up. So like you or Maynard or Fear Dragon or me, 
all of our first events, we actually got a thread, you know, on Reddit that was like, great job, great job on their first event. So it's kind of funny, but it does help, I guess, the the the, the churning of the commentators. Not that we've really had a whole lot of churning lately, but mm. I'm sure that's due to a variety of factors. But yeah, people are usually very nice, but to actually be a great commentator, you know, I think we, every one of the people who are commentating StarCraft 2 nowadays, we all have the ability to look into ourselves and actually say like, that was bad. Okay, I don't care if, if no one else noticed, that was bad. I sucked. <laughs> perhaps a little bit too much to the point i was about to say like to the point of i think we're all too harsh on ourselves these days if anything yeah yeah there was there's some bummer conversations at katavitsa actually where we all just kind of like looked at each other and we're like this just feels like off doesn't it like it just it just felt bad today right and we're just like <laughs> yeah maybe like a little like i don't know <laughs> no one really wanted to be the debbie downer but like we all just yeah there's something there's like a yeah like i remember i remember you and maynard shouting at me you know i was like guys no like you did fucking well today like you killed that cost and you were both like drinking your 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 whiskeys and shit and you're both like shut the fuck up pig like shut the fuck up and let us drown our sorrows all right let us this all right we're gonna fucking talk about how bad we did today you shut the fuck up and stop giving us compliments and i was like all right you guys can drown in your pity all right uh yes i i, I do remember that as well that was also the uh the night we ordered pizza and i proceeded to almost eat the plastic so <laughs> Good times, good times. <laughs> I actually have that video on my phone, and it will never be public. Anyways, the uh, oh gosh, what point was I trying to make here? Um, oh, but developing as a caster, uh, yeah, that's what I was going for. You obviously filled that role of analyst very well. People really took to you because you were kind of filling. I feel that the um, the most wanted role from a lot of the people was just a, a really knowledgeable caster. But you've really developed into your own as not just the knowledgeable caster who everyone goes to for casting the ZDZs, but uh, as well as a pretty damn well-respected play-by-play caster. Have you actually taken the time to review VODs and study broadcasting or, or anything like that to improve your craft? I think I've been very uh, non-methodical. But uh, I think, I mean, recently I've actually... Um basically just just with goal setting i've been more focused on being like let's fucking do a little bit of a review after every day i cast when i'm at an event and actually like if i can tick off and just as long as i know that i'm improving something every day and i'm kind of devoting myself to this craft like i don't know how long i'm going to get to cast starcraft 2 events for and when the next big rts esport is going to be not to be fatalistic um because that's not the idea but it's kind of like that thing where it's like well nothing lasts forever gonna just go into full platitudes mode if i want to live my best life i need to make every moment (laughs) count you know um but it's actually like true right where i've been doing a lot of stuff where i'm like you know i i never want to wake up one day and realize i've spent the previous six months or a year just doing shit because people want me to do it or it's something i think i should do but it's not really at the core of what I want to do, right? And I, I found myself sometimes sleeping in the past on my commentary. I'm like, I just rock up and talk about StarCraft. That's what I do. And I, I never at the end of an event where I've done that go, yeah, I fucking killed it. That feels great. I feel awesome. I feel so happy and pumped. I, I know that if I could go back in time to my 2011 self where I was just a fan, starting to play a lot and try and get good at the game, I would watch myself and go, cool, that person brought the passion and game knowledge and made me feel good watching that broadcast because that's essentially it. I started as a fan. I want to try and bring the same experience that someone like Apollo gave me at the peak of his commentary where I go, 
shit, that guy gets it. He studied, he brings the hype, but he also brings the game knowledge. Like he's good to listen to. He's got good chemistry and banter. Holy shit, that's the whole package, you know? So whenever I do catch myself just kind of resting on my laurels, I guess I'm like, cool, I got hired for the event. I can just show up. I kind of go, wait a second, dude. Like, let's put some more fucking effort in because like anything, you can get really good at something. And if you just leave it there, it's going to be like leaving a tool out in the rain. You know, it's going to get rusty. It's going to get, it's going to break. It's going to become shit. You've got to hone your craft. You've got to practice it. You've got to stay up to date with the meta. You've got to work to keep your chemistry going with your, your co-commentators. You've got to find, you know, your rhythm within this very variable thing that is commentating live events. We have a different experience, every event, different production, a lot of the time, different people we're working with. So I think I've just tried to embrace more of that mindset of like, hey, let's actually teach this as something that I'm never going to go, oh, I'm good enough. It's done. It's just a process of methodical review look for small things that I can improve, look for pointers. And as long as I'm on the path of kind of moving forward, I can feel good about what I'm doing, right? I can have a shitty day. I can have a shitty cast, but I know I'm going to learn from it. Then I can deal with it. But if I'm not learning from it, if I'm not taking the time to review and stuff, that's where I start to go, ooh, this is not something I can be proud of anymore. Mm. They're always pushing forward mentality, right? It's it's about, you know, it's like when you lose weight, it's not about like the dips and ups. You have to look at the whole entire curve, I suppose. And hopefully exactly. it's a downward trend or in, or in this case, you know, upward trend. Do you actually have any casts that you remember that you just actually were like, the games were good, the cast was good, the co-caster was good, the tournament was good, you know, and and you actually did rock it? Do you remember any moments like that? Hmm. Um, I mean, the thing is, because I'm such a fan, I remember the games more than my commentary of them, I guess, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my excitement and my feeling, but I'm not sure how close my perception is to what the actual cast was like. And this, and like I said, this reviewing is not my natural process. So this is something, it's a recent thing with recent events is every day watching bits of the broadcast and watching a little bit of each series I cast, even if it's just a few minutes to feel the energy. I used to, there's thousands, hundreds of series I've cast where I've not done that for. Um, I definitely remember uh, Serul Rogue at BlizzCon as a big one with Maynard. Um, I remember Serul Raynor with you at Montreal as another big one that pops to mind. Mm. And that's something where the players give you something special and we're just along for the ride. I almost feel like, you know, it's like, I don't want to, I'm like, I don't actually remember the commentary. I remember being hyped and excited and being brought on this journey. I hope I brought the people listening on the same journey that I was on because there were like these really close, long, hard fought series with this great storyline, right? And that was 2018, right? It was just such a great year for Serral's, Serral's rise. Outside of those ones, I don't really think of any specific ones. Like I'm sure if I if I could remember every tournament series, there'd be one or two that pops out. But I think those ones gave us the perfect storyline. So it was just, you know, really memorable moments, both of those. Yeah. I was gonna say the the same. Like one of mine is there was a Showtime series, a challenger that I just one of those things where you studied and it lined up that everything you studied actually had like really great importance. <laughs> so I felt really smart. And then the, <laughs> the, the second best. time yeah, the second time was was with you at, at Montreal, which was my first grand finals. And actually, like one of the first times I cast with you, mm. which looking back on, it's really weird. The first time I cast with you, I remember this, it was actually BlizzCon. Oh. Laser versus Dark. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. A pretty good series in and of itself. 
but yeah, I remember that. And then for some reason, Montreal, we didn't really cast much together. And then suddenly Mark was like, you guys are casting the finals. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's, that's fine. Cause I really wanted to cast with pig, but like, also I feel like I haven't cast them at all. Like this, this could be really awkward. <laughs> and it being really spectacular. Uh, actually, did you have any hesitation or, um, just reservations about casting with some of these guys? Cause some of the guys you cast with, you actually, as you said, you're big fans of, you know, like the likes of Apollo or a, a day nine. Did you feel like they were on another level and you were kind of having to, to rise to them? Are you nervous or worry about the chemistry or did you just kind of throw yourself in there and try and do your best? Definitely threw myself in there to some extent. I mean, there's always uh, definitely a little bit of like, oh shit, you know, um, I've watched these guys a lot and stuff, but I, I guess I had at least said hello to them in passing at kind of after parties and stuff, never really knew them that well or anything. But luckily, you know, you very quickly get to do many events together and you get very comfortable with each other. I do remember very clearly in the early days thinking like, oh, wow, Kolaris is amazing. Like this guy is actually a god. Like if you want to speak about professional kind of esports talent, because he makes casting with him so easy. And the thing is, the fact that I can remember that from when I was such a rookie that I'm like, it's like he's like putting the training wheels on you. Like he will he'll be so flexible with how he works around all your shitty habits and stuff and kind of steers you in the right direction while co-casting with you. But he also will like give you more space and then he'll be like, oh, cool. Like, you know, I'm it's an excitable kid who's going to talk a lot and and just go on expert rants. I'm just going to ask him questions and steer him in the right direction and then shout about the fights. And like, he's, he's, you know, he's so flexible. He always cares more about the broadcast than him getting enough smart things out or saying enough things like, you know, Kolaris is this very ultimately flexible commentator. Whereas I think it probably took me a bit longer to get used to casting with everyone else. But, uh, you know, Roddy was always good where he, he won't, he will always be very diplomatic, but he'll always be like, oh, you know, you could have talked less there or something like in the early days. And I was always asking for feedback as well, which I think made it easier. Like after pretty much every, every cast that does this, actually, I don't know if there's been a single cast who hasn't done this. Now that I think about it, as I've gone through, oh, is there something I could have done better? You know, when people are first starting, they're always like, oh, any feedback? You know, they're asking that a lot. And usually there is none from the other people because they know if they're more experienced, they're like, no, no, like, like this person will just get more natural and fix those mistakes. They're all too small pointing them out will usually just make things more awkward <laughs> like they'll they'll try to like they're not natural enough on camera and stuff to engineer and consciously focus on things as much so unless there's like a big point that's like really simple to change like oh you should try to not repeat that word too much because you say it a lot anything more complicated than that I, I think usually you don't give to the rookie commentators and i don't think had given to me and it's kind of more only I guess the one exception is we, when I was living over there in Germany for that month and a half, we did a few caster meetups where we'd review VODs um, with a few of the CS commentators as well, just as a group. And we'd all kind of give each other feedback. Um, we did that like maybe twice. And I thought that was super helpful as well. People were talking about different techniques for, oh, at this point, the end of a big series, how to not disturb the emotion and kind of, you don't want to kind of grab and and talk over it too much. You want to just build up the emotion a little bit and like the way of, of of taking that story. I also remember people talking about introductory lines for describing plays and just building up the hype as you're going into match, having a lot of memorized terms and phrases 
for describing players and ways of being like, oh, he's the blah, 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 or the clash of, you know, Kolaris is the biggest meme of them, right? Because, you know, the, North, the battle of East and West, North and South collide here in this battle of two worlds, you know? Um, but it's actually this like thing where if you do that and you have a few of these canned things you can bring out, it makes it so easy to do that whole presenter thing where you bring a lot of excitement in those hype moments and you can just kind of fill the air more naturally. So I think I, I learned a lot of things back then in, in late 2015 when I first started out. Hmm. I actually talked to uh, Apollo a little bit about that at Katowice and you were sleeping, <laughs> I think is what it was. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I didn't realize that that was the same time period that you were casting. So that's really interesting. He said that one of the problems was that the other guys, the non-Starcraft 2 guys, could talk to each other because there's a lot of FPS right mm. where starcraft 2 was the only remaining rts and still really is and that there was a bit of difficulty with passing along like tips basically because the pacing is so different yeah but it sounds like it was actually a very worthwhile investment on all that said the topics you just mentioned are still really good things that i think are, are universal to broadcasting yeah i wish we did that more but in terms of like constant feedback you're absolutely right we don't really get that not that i'm saying that we should necessarily because yeah the last thing you want to do is like come off a broadcast kind of thinking to yourself like that wasn't that great because again we're all pretty good at saying to ourselves it wasn't great and then have your boss or the guy you were casting with be like yeah that that like that wasn't really good man you didn't bring your best like what is that gonna do <laughs> you're just gonna feel terrible like oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, you know, pointed things can be okay for sure. But yeah, I always like wondered if it would be, oh man, I mean, to have a team house is always kind of like that, that idealistic thing that isn't really possible. But if we could like just talk more feedback wise, we'll, we'll have little powwows, the, mm. uh, the, what do, what do we call them? We meet in the green room afterwards, the debriefing. There we go. We have the debriefs, but those are literally just like, Hey, something technically went wrong. We'll fix it. And you're like, thanks boss. It's yeah. not really very much. Do you think we could actually uh, do well, especially in those longer tournaments like Katapite, to actually powwow together and talk? You know, potentially. I think it's something where it's so personal, right? It's kind of this thing where, um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, big fan of the Tim Ferriss podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember he was talking to some high-powered Silicon Valley CEO, basically the classic Tim Ferriss guest, uh, some billionaire. Um, <laughs> and they were talking about how important feedback is and how the more successful and the higher you get at anything, it's like so goddamn hard to get good feedback because everyone just wants to basically kiss your ass or is just too afraid of any ramifications. And I think obviously it's not for the same reasons, but there is the same effect with casting where we are all very self-conscious. Um, we're all on camera. We're all putting ourselves out there and you know, it's, we don't want to get in each other's heads. And we, so we, we're all steering away from it. But at the same time, I think if we, we kind of build these, these relationships, we actively seek it out a little bit more where you say, you know what, like, I really trust you specifically. I want to ask you for feedback on this, whether you, if you want, and not even necessarily, it doesn't have to be a co-caster. It can be someone who just watched a broadcast. And I think that's probably even more useful, right? Someone on the sidelines necessarily, rather than the person you are commentating with, because they've got the, the whole picture and the distance from it. I think if we can definitely try to just put ourselves out there and say, hey, rip into me. I really like, I, 
you know, I just want to look for more ways to improve. But I think we're we're all friends and we're all like, oh, I'm not going to do that until the other person really is like, no, 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 please help me. I would like <laughs> you to tell me things I'm doing bad. So instead we're all like, no, 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 you're doing great. And for the most part, we mean it. But if we actually devoted our mind to it, I'm sure we could all give each other a lot of feedback and a lot of advice, right? It's just, mm-hmm. uh, do we want it enough to push through the resistance there, I guess, of, of wanting to yeah. coddle each other and stay friends and if we can come to it with that learning mindset of like, no, 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 I am here to be the disciple. I want to learn. We can probably do that. I think it's something that should always be in smaller one-on-one or groups of three. I think any more people than that, it's it's harder because you've got too many voices. So I think it's like probably best one-to-one feedback. What do you think? You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I, so I guess it depends on what type of feedback. If you're Jack and I have actually talked a lot about what you're talking about, like the difficulty of receiving personal feedback, because he is a guy who will ask everyone and everyone's like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be the bully, you know, type thing. So he like finally, like really just was like, please do it. And, and Maynard and I finally did, but it's, it's tough. It's also one of those things where no one wants to, it's tough to do it emotionally to be like, hey, person I like, you did this wrong. It's also literally tough to do because the end of the day, the end of a broadcast, the end of a a tournament, what do you really remember? Mm. (laughs) Some of us remember nothing. You could literally be like, that game you cast on Friday was amazing. You'd be like, huh? What? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's tough to do. It actually, like, to ask for feedback and ask for proper feedback actually requires a fair bit on on the, the side of the person giving you feedback. So, you know, I never... It's something to consider. It's never to take it lightly. Just like go out and reach out. And if someone doesn't respond, don't take it personally. They just, yeah. It is actually something they, if they're going to give good feedback, they have to think a lot about. So I think that complicates the, uh, the feedback we're talking about. Mm. I mean, I think it's, I think it can be good. I am definitely yeah. one of those people who isn't like, please feedback all the time. I am one of those people who begrudgingly, you know, is like told something in the nicest way possible. Like, Hey, you say actually a lot. And I'll be like, you say actually lunch <laughs> and like five minutes later i'll be like okay no he was right <laughs> you know yeah yeah so i'm not even the best person for this but what i do think is very helpful is it you know one of those like like couple therapy things like we're not attacking each other we're attacking the problem we could discuss like tournament itself right like the storyline and the players and how mm. we can push things a certain direction instead of just kind of all three of us going up to the analyst desk and and doing you know each of our things that's the type of stuff that i think would be less ego right involved yeah and and could be helpful we do it to an extent just as like friendly conversation but it's something that i've i've actually wanted to push you know i wanted to set up meetings study sessions you know primarily Mm. just to get that type of conversation started I think that's actually really good. I think, you know, I, I, as you're saying this, I'm thinking of conversations we've had where, you know, we just get yapping about a certain player and what we think about their history or what the next step is or why this is important. And we have, I mean, that, that's, conversations always go here at some point or another over the course of an event in the, the warm up days, the rehearsal days and everything anyway. But I think it's a good idea, actually. And I, I do remember we used to have more of that where we're like, hey, we're, you know, pushing this story. Or we really just want to talk about the importance of this thing. Like, 
you know, like if, if Carmack is ever around, if we're doing an IEM event, he's just like, you know, we want to hit the story of, of this. Remember how historic it is if this guy becomes the first two-time champion. Uh, you know, look at how big this would be for the first time, this guy to do this. And I remember especially I used to always be like surprised whenever I was like, oh, yeah. For me, I'm just like, but in this meta, can a Terran beat a Zerg? You know, like I'm like, so my eyes are so, the, the Starcraft is right in front of my eyes that, you know, for anyone who's a casual person watching, it's like, they don't care about that thing nearly as much. But if you can add some history and some context and you can add some personal details about a player, it adds an entirely different uh, flavor. It adds something where suddenly anybody can relate to this kid where otherwise they see a little camera shot for a few seconds. They maybe see a reaction at one point. But it's still not a person to them. It's just, oh, that guy's controlling the bugs? Like, cool. Even I'm, I'm not just talking about completely casual viewers. I'm talking about, you could be a Masters League player, but they could still have the same level of emotional connection of, yeah, he controls, the, he's just a Zerg player or whatever. Trying to bring history, trying to bring personal stuff and, and humanize them is a big part. Um, back on the feedback thing as well, I think it's this thing where, like you said, it, to get a mentor or a coach type figure, so I'm going to give you serious feedback, it takes a lot of energy and thought from them. So I think it's also something where you can't just go, oh, give me feedback, please. Give me feedback, please. Um, I think if you really want it, like I said, you've got to honestly come at it as a, I'm a disciple or someone trying to improve and I'm trying to learn. And how do you prove that to someone? You show that you're already on the road, right? Like you show that you've already done some work yourself at least. So it's, it's the same thing if you're looking for help in StarCraft. You don't just go to Reddit and post a thread. How the fuck do I beat Terran? They're OP. Like no, no one's <laughs> going to give you anything. They're like, oh, this guy, this guy's just an idiot. He just wants to complain. But if you go on one of the subreddits for a specific race and you post a replay and you say, here's my game plan. This is why I think it's not working. You know, you're like, here's my, here's my goal. Here's what I think the problems are. What do you guys think? Here's a replay. Some people are like, oh, this, this, this person's, they're, they're committed to their craft. They're trying to get better. Hells yeah, I'm going to take 20 minutes to watch this replay and write some notes and give them some advice, right? And we see this all the time in the StarCraft community where if you show you're putting effort in and trying to better yourself, people will bend over backwards to help you. And I think it's probably the same thing for us as casters where if, if I go to you and just go, oh, what can I do better, Zombie Grab? But I say, okay, look, I, I think one of the things I've been struggling with is um, when there's dead air, I always jump in too quickly and I, I, I try to fill it and I end up just saying words that don't really mean anything. And then I end up tripping over my tongue and, and I'm. I'm, I think I probably should just stay silent, but do you have a technique for dealing with that? Like, bam, I'm going to get some good feedback from you, right? Because I've, mm -hmm. I've given you something to work with. I'm not just like, hey, can you just like right now summarize me as a caster in your brain <laughs> and find the most important thing for me to get better at? It's like, no, what the hell? I'm asking you to do all the work for me. That's a, good, that's a good way of putting it. You're asking them to do all the work for sure. And it also does give it a little bit of a sense of uh, in, insincerity. Like you're like just saying it and hoping they'll be as bland as, as your question, basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 But feedbacks, it can be, it's something that I feel isn't taught well in our, you know, our education system until, unless you have the right teacher or the right course, something like that. So these are all like adding to that, like, absolutely. You need to have pointed questions and to have pointed feedback. Is an excellent part about being a, a player or a caster or just like a human being in general. It'll also help take the pressure off of you and, you know, take out the emotion when you find out these specific problems again, like you both attacking a problem as opposed to you asking them to attack you. 
personally. It's actually systematic then, right? You're you're you've both got a project in front of you and it's like um, you know, the the scariest personal challenges, professional challenges um are always the ones that you are afraid of, like and that and it doesn't make sense, right? But it's like, wait, what? The ones you're afraid of mm-hmm. are the ones you're afraid of and I'm like, well, yeah, if I think about every challenge that scares me, they're the ones I avoid. <laughs> it's the things that I don't want to spend the time even thinking about that become even scarier the longer I don't think about them and the more I avoid them, right? But if you put that time into being like, no, no, I'm going to analyze this problem and think about it for a bit and and face my own inadequacies because I know I'm not perfect and we, we all know it, but uh, instinctively we don't want to think about it too much. But I'm going to actually meditate on that fact of like, hey, I'm kind of, you know, I actually have a crazy amount. I can improve at this thing. And even though I'm proud of how good I do the thing, I could be so much better. Um, and I've got to accept that, right? And I think once we we kind of are able to show that we've got that mindset to someone else, they're immediately more comfortable. Like, um, you know, I've occasionally had players be like, cool, I want to be a pro gamer. Uh, can you give me advice? Uh, and I'm like, eh. I'm like, look, if you really want to be good and you're like masters one or you're GM and you're working hard, like you shoot me an email with a bunch of stuff you're working on and you have clearly put in that effort to like be on the path. Uh, I will spend 20 minutes giving you feedback and giving you advice and telling you where to focus your efforts, right? Because I see that you're someone who's who's really putting that passion in and I don't mind like mentoring, right? But uh, mm-hmm. you have to be in, like, you got to inspire your teacher, right? You got to make them feel good about it as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we should all probably be a bit better at asking each other for advice. I really like the idea as well as get those storyline conversations going a bit more, where we all kind of go, okay, you know, uh, Hass, uh, let's not just get to his <laughs> match and just be like, well, Tass, he does crazy stuff, Whoa, you know, like. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll sometimes see the comment on social media in the Twitch chat, like, wow, Pig just called another player, you know, oh, he he thrives in the chaos. Like, that's like, I'm like, like, stop saying that saying, Pig. You've used it to describe too many players. Come up with something new. Think through your storylines <laughs> ahead of time. You can't just say anyone who attacks before the 20 minute mark thrives in the chaos. And yeah, that's like one of my most overused <laughs> sayings. Um Shit like that. Like, if we just have a bit more of a discussion, I think it gets all our juices flowing creatively about, hey, what are we talking about with these players? What's interesting? What's exciting? And I mean, I think one thing that comes in the way of it is sometimes I do feel a bit like a leech if I get that conversation going, where I'm like, Roddy, share mm. your secrets. You know everything about every year, every player in the world. Ravi, share your secrets. You know everything about every NA player. I don't know shit about them in comparison. You guys give me the info so I can sound smart on the desk, please. Like, there is a little bit of that holding me back sometimes. Oh, I know what you mean. Literally, it was Katowice again. Me and Maynard were just like throwing out, you know, what's the word? We were crediting each other. There we go. We were crediting each other because <laughs> we would <laughs> we would talk about things in the green room and then and then bring it up and then neither one of us wanted to feel like we were stealing it, even mm. though it's one of those things that we very are open. Like, yep, just take it and, and fly with it, but. I know exactly what you mean. It can be tough. And it is also one of those things where maybe in like more esports or just anything with more ego, it also is literally something everyone's thinking about all the time. Yeah. I can't give that guy information because then he'll know it, you know? But it does make the overall broadcast better. But it's tough when you, when, you know, especially in a scene like StarCraft 2, there's not a lot of jobs. Some people are more dependent on others for those offline gigs and all that. Like, 
I can imagine it being a problem. There's varying levels of effort as well, right? Like if someone has put in the work to stay up to date with the scene, but someone else is call, calling it in, that gets in the way of that, right? All it takes is one yeah. person to be, actually be that leech. And I, I, I will admit it. I, like I said earlier, I, there have been events where I've, I've phoned it in and that I've gone, is it, is it really full phoning it in? No, because I still play the game all day and I stream it and I watch it, right? But I won't have watched some of the most important series I really should have before the tournament because they weren't on at the time when I was watching tournaments that day. And I'm not up to date with certain strategies because I haven't taken the time to ask any pro gamers about the, the details. So I'm bringing my like mid-GM understanding to a professional tournament, right? And even at those times, it's like there's a little bit of that where it's like, okay, even my lack of preparation there undermines that relationship. So um, ideally, if, if, if we thought about ourselves as one team where if we all do good work, it, it feeds into StarCraft having a better production, right? It feeds into our shows yeah. being better. We all vibe off each other. We're not worried about stealing things. We're creating magic right there. You know, we're turning this, this broadcast into this smooth, fluid, fun thing. I mean, we already have some of the best chemistry um, in terms of silly death segments and funny commentary. And especially if we're, you know, let off the, the leash a little bit, they give us a little bit of breathing room and we have a long broadcast day, we get very silly and we say a lot of ridiculous things um, and we have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, I mean, if we could, I think all uh, be assured that we we're all working as hard and, and kind of, you know, that there was, uh, I guess, like a merit-based caster system going on, which how <laughs> casters get picked is its own, like, wow, you draw names out of a hat. And like, it's a different person every six months or a year choosing them, you know? We had some weird systems in the past with it where it's like, cool, I've done my best commentary ever. I'm not getting hired for the next two events just because yeah. they have their list from two years earlier of people who are commentators that they need to give an even number of, of gigs to. And you're like, oh, shit, this isn't merit-based, is it? And then you can do bad casts at an event and get hired for the next three events. And you're like, cool, like I just was on their list or they like me, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. there's a weird thing that happens there. Um, and especially when you naturally have a lot of very successful people in a game and then the game gets less popular and there's less opportunities. People aren't like, man, if I kill this show, this is going to set me up for the next five gigs and for the next 10 years of my YouTube channel and I'm going to become a star and I'm going to be set for life as the next, what's the game right now? Like Valorant? Is that the one that everyone's hyped uh, over? Yeah. Whatever, yeah, whatever this, the flavor of the week is, <laughs> since there's a new best esport every other week these days, right? Best, quotation marks. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. There's a difficult thing there where we do have an issue with people phoning it in and not putting in enough effort. That makes it hard for the person who's done all the research to share all their information. It also makes it hard for them to ask for that information and for you to have a conversation on the same levels. Mm -hmm. Because of that, you do sometimes get Roddy going on a seven-minute, very animated storytelling section on the desk because he can't ask you questions and get you to fill out part of that story because you haven't done your homework and you don't know the rest of this crazy, awesome backstory and info about these players that he knows. And that's why he brings such magic to the desk, right? Mm -hmm. I guess I'm elucidating a problem that happens when you've simply got different levels of preparation and commitment to the craft, right? Yeah. And also, like, it, it's kind of a bummer, you know, when you go to an event and you're like the bright eyed, bushy tailed person who's like, 
got the notes, you know, and like their glasses and like the two buck teeth, like stereotype. And they're like, guys, guys, Starcraft. And then everyone's like, yeah, Starcraft. And you're like, oh, like it kind of drags you down a little bit. Yeah. It's just been a problem in a, in a couple of different tournament formats. I'm going to get into specifics, but it has happened. And it is that that is the biggest bummer for me is when that emotion happens and it kind of like drags down the whole feeling of it. Yeah. I think StarCraft 2 still is very, very top notch quality overall. Bring any of the casters and it's going to be a good time. But just being there like in person and feeling that can be can be a little lame sometimes, but it does happen. Kind of t- touching on a difficult subject, though, like the the politics, quote unquote, of, of hiring. You brought up that there's been dis- different systems. Absolutely. There's only so many tournaments that we have. I do prefer the one system we had in 2018 where we were told what we were going to do. Yeah. But you bring up a good point. That means that you could you could theoretically phone it in and know that you're going to have a job later on the line. Yeah. So that there's there's you know a problem right then and there for that system. And there's a system where someone, you know, the the elusive god of of StarCraft II caster choices picks people based on merit. But what what do they know? Right? Can we yeah. ever trust the person who is choosing the casters to actually know what they're talking about? Are they actually it's never it's also not it's actually not a job that really exists. Mm. A person who is choosing who is a caster. It's usually someone who is also directing and producing and doing, you know, they're building the tournament. Up until then, casters are almost always very low on the list of priorities to get around to, which sucks for us. Told quite late, but it's the reality of things. So there really is no perfect way. I think we have a very good team with us now. And I mean, in terms of numbers and quality. If you're going to choose a person to choose casters based on like, did they do their work? Apollo would be a great guy, right? Yeah. But uh, that's not always possible. And that's not always going to be the system. And uh, it can suck. But does it really, does it frustrate you <laughs> as much as I guess it can frustrate uh, likes of me, I suppose? Yeah. That it doesn't seem to be the, you know, the work you put in is the, the work you get later down the line. Absolutely. You know, even uh, so I've had times where my stream's been doing really well and I've actually crunched the numbers, not exactly, but I've kind of said, hey, wait a second. If I don't go to this event and have this huge disruption, especially because I live in Australia, so remember there's an extra two days of travel essentially to any event I go to, um, unless it's China. China I was always my smoothest travel to and from events because it's direct mm-hmm. flights usually. So Asia, but we don't really have many events there these days. I would be like, wait, I am at best like doing, breaking even doing these events, right? And in the past, um, Mm. I would often have, I'd be like, maybe I'm getting a little more, but it's like a big disruption to my schedule and stuff, right? And I'm like, ah, okay. So that's like a, that's like a, a weird thing to notice. And, you know, obviously like Nate has been kind of vocal about that where he's been like, you know, Am I going to fly, you know, 35 hour flights, three flights to Katowice from LA and back, miss my birthday away from home, do this crazy long event and not necessarily, you know, it's like, wait, that's your birthday is the best week for you as a streamer. You know, that's a time where you're going to have be very successful. So I've, I've had times in the past where I've gone, okay, wait, this is even not great for my own career money wise in this. And then I go, okay, actually, but there's a lot of intangibles, right? 
you're doing a WCS event, don't get me wrong, there is status there. You're doing a big StarCraft event. There is there is this whole esport and this competitive following. And I'm like, okay, no, no, no. If I look at my audience, they all put status and respect on that. There is a huge crossover. You know, mine is not the, hey guys, I'm playing against a bunch of noobs and I'm smurfing on the ladder. Look at me, I'm kicking their butts. Ha ha ha. And I'm making, you know, silly jokes while they do it. Like, no, 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 no. There's a big, I, I try to be very entertainment focused because I realized how dry the pure competitive community could be. I try to join those two communities together as much as I can. But uh, yeah, there's, there's been times where I've been like, you know what? I'm, I want to do every WCS event this year because I, I, I care about this esport and I love watching these players. And for me, it en- it's an enriching experience, right? It's not about the money. It's about that's a cool thing and I want to do it and I want to kill it. And I remember making that decision. It was like 2018 or 2019. I was like, I think it was probably 2018. I was like, you know, can I, I'd love to do every event. I think I just, I'm working really hard, blah, blah, blah. And you say that to the people who you think, or maybe are picking and, and yeah. And, and I remember being like, oh no, no, I'm just doing two events this year. Cool. And it's like locked in from the start of the year. And that guy who, you know, that person who, who doesn't really play the game anymore is, is doing two as well. Okay, cool. Like, all right. That's happening. So there's that realization where you don't have any influence over. And that, I remember that, remember that getting me down. I was like, oh, like, that's just frustrating, you know? And for me, it's because you talked about the energy that comes through. You show up bright eyed, bright dewy eyed caster, and you, you want, and you, oh, it's a bit of a downer when you realize there's some people who just don't care as much anymore and are phoning it in, right? Yeah. I felt especially bad when I realized I'd phoned it in for an event or two. I can't remember exactly what events, but I realized I'd kind of just been putting less effort in. And I was like, shit, like you're not putting any conscious prep into this. You're just rocking up. Like, is that fucking good enough? Like, cast my mind back to when I was in 2011. Think about how lucky I am to be casting these events and I'm not putting any goddamn prep in. I remember being really upset with myself because I was like, I let that energy flow through to me. Where I was like, well, if some people just phone it in, I can just phone it in too. And I was like, you lazy piece of shit, pig. Don't have that fucking attitude, man. What the hell? You're going to be proud of yourself after you do that event? Hells no. So that's when I started to shift my mindset back to, hey, let's have some method. Let's review every day. Do a bit more prep leading into it. Let's pick the players who I think are the most important storylines. I know I can't do all the research, but I can research some of the players I care about the most. I can do a bit of that. So I remember, I remember kind of saying, you know what? I'm just going to not think about it because it does get me down. That energy does infect the whole crew to some extent when that happens. And instead, mm-hmm. I just look at Rotterdam and I go, look, there's a <laughs> lack of leadership from above. And I go, that's my leader. That's the guy I look to. That's my boss, you know? Like if you're in a company, it's like the person at the top, whoever the manager is, influences the entire energy. I look at the Rotterdam or the Artosis at the event and I go, that's my guy. That's the guy. I see you as well at events now. I think I drew inspiration from you. I I remember actually seeing you prepping at one event and being like, oh, fuck, like shit, that's badass. (laughs) She's got like notepads and shit. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. God damn. And, you know, I was like, well, that's inspiring. So if I look at people who are putting the work in and really treating it as like this special opportunity and i'm like oh shit if i treat you as my leader and i draw inspiration from you fuck yeah like i i can just focus on that energy and ignore any side energy of someone who's maybe not as passionate about it anymore yeah first of all i'm blushing thank you (laughs) second of all yeah i think like this the the recurring trend in these podcasts is that roddy's actually like a perfect human being right very natural a lot of the stuff we we end up thinking a lot about and then third of all, like, yeah, I very strongly identify with whatever, you know, everything you've talked about, basically like that, the, the event you were talking about was either Katowice 
or was last year's Montreal, which is where I put, I, Katowice was also a lot of work. Um, the prestige of that tournament just made me really want to do a good job. And then Montreal was a, actually an event where I thought if I do really, really well, I've had momentum this year. Challenger has gone great for me. Some of the other casters aren't doing as much StarCraft anymore. If I do really well at Montreal, I know I can get BlizzCon. And then it didn't happen. And it was like actually soul crushing. Second soul crushing anyways. Because I didn't get the previous one before that. But it is one of those things you have to realize that it's just... One, it's usually not personal. <laughs> yeah. It's actually just like a decision made from above. And a bad we don't know decision, how far above yes. it really goes. But sure, but... It happens in that too. You also need to really have your own safety nets. So not everything is pinned on this idea that there should be a perfect justice system because there never is going to be. <laughs> That's unfortunately kind of like a life lesson, right? Everything were perfectly, everything was fair. Things would be great, but it's it's not. So, you know, having that stream that you can fall back on helps get rid of that frustration that could be felt very strongly in, in our scene at the very least where there's not that many jobs. Yeah. And there are just some times where you have to look at the people they did hire and go, you know what? Can't say anyone there didn't deserve it. You know, you just shrug. So it can suck, but it's it's something that we do have to deal with. But it's nice to hear that I guess everyone kind of has a uh <laughs> there there's frustrations with a few different things. But you're one of those casters alongside Maynard, not just because you both are Aussies, but that I would put in the um I and the Maynard podcast went over this, but like an A tier. Um, if S tier is like Tastosis and Roddy, basically all events, and if they're not an event, people say they should be at an event. You guys are like very close to that. <laughs> Either you 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 should be at every event, or everyone says I miss that guy at that event. Do you ever think about how you could realistically push yourself to doing a like being a Roddy, basically being at every single event? Because they used to have three guys at every single event. Mm in the previous system and that kind of wore off after a while but do you think about how you could push yourself there or do you just have you actually kind of just accepted that it's not so much in your hands you know it is it is hard to travel overseas from australia but as the events get less and less um like i remember in 2016 doing so many events so many events uh i remember it was the story i always told there was one month where i spent over one week on airplanes so that was <laughs> over one week on the planes not through the airport not everywhere else one week out of that month 25 percent of that month i spent on planes um <laughs> this is like it was like valencia i was like spain china mexico like it was it was like every continent and it was like four events in one month or something it was two chinese events or something crazy it was insane and um i remember being so wrecked by that travel so so part of the thing um is if I lived in America or Europe, I would be a bit more close to to those events, right? And and I'd be a bit more able to get out to to a lot of these events, um, especially Europe with Home Story Cup being as as such a community funded and community pushed event, something that it seems like with takes never ending fountain of passion, um, he will he will keep going and keep pushing. Um, it seems like Europe would be the place to go. And people have always asked me over the years, you know, what do you think about moving there? And uh, I mean, shit, Dot was was awesome enough to literally drop her fucking life and quit her job and come around filming StarCraft events with me for like four months back in 2014 and shit and, uh, and stuff. And for me, it's just like a lifestyle and a relationship decision. I'm like, hey, what do you think about living over here? And these days, it's more about finding like tax havens and stuff. 
where I'm like, <laughs> hey, why don't yeah. we go to one of those places where they charge you like 2% tax and like every cost of living is infinitely cheaper because I live in a very expensive city. You know, a lot of my streamer friends have recently moved away from more expensive cities to cheaper cities as well to try and get that cost of living down. It's one of the things you can control that just takes the stress off everything. So yeah, it's one of these weird things where it's like, I, I, how do you push to the next tier? Mm -hmm. I don't think you can force it to happen. But I think if I can commentate on that level at an event, that's all that matters to me, right? Like if I can, at the events that I go to, if I can bring the same level of execution, that's all that's in my control. My sphere of control is here, right? It's literally just personal development, cast better with more passion, no more about the players. I can't control the other stuff. I can't get myself out to events without making a lifestyle decision to move overseas, which I'm not willing to do because of, of my relationship and everything else, right? That, that, that's number one. That's more important. I've devoted a lot of the last decade to StarCraft and it's got to take the backseat at some point. What can I control in that sphere though to get to that next level, right? Where someone goes, oh, he should have fucking been there. He's, he's the Tastosis. Uh, Tastosis, you know, pig didn't go to Katowice. I'm not fucking watching. I'm going to post that on Twitter. <laughs> my dream yeah. is someone caring enough to post that. Oh my God. Um, I think it, it's mostly chemistry and humor. And I, th I think that's the main thing that I'm working on weaving in. I think it's something where I'm also realizing more and more having more of a, a co-commentator helps that a lot. So, you know, I think if you like, like you look at the Burton Ernie thing that Tastosis have going in Korea, right? <laughs> there is, uh -huh. it's so lovable. They're so funny. They're best friends. You know, it's, it's like you're watching this, this bro love, two best friends hanging out and watching video games thing. So I do try to cast more and just have more fun on broadcast. And I started being very lewd on my own channel and I'm trying to bring not lewd, but the same level of relaxed humor to international broadcasts now that we're more relaxed. We don't have people at Blizzard breathing down our neck these days going, well, well you know, when you made the joke about that thing, <laughs> like we think it took away from the gravity of this round of 64 match. And you're like, uh, did it? Like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Like, there are many times when you go for a joke, and I do always have the voice in my head as an expo player is like, I don't want to be disrespecting the players. And I don't want the player to listen back to it and go, oh shit, like pigs talking shit about me. But, you know, I, I try to walk that line of like, let's just keep it fun and keep it entertaining and bring the joy that I, I naturally experience. If I was on Discord or watching on a TV at home with my friend having a beer, if I can bring just a little bit of that relaxed banter to it, that's what I'm trying to work on, I guess, at the moment. And it's hard for me to do it still at international events, but at least I'm casting like EPT each week with Maynard and, and we're getting kind of more silly on those broadcasts. It, it's hard to bring it when you're on camera and you're wearing a, a jacket and a button-up shirt and stuff. But that's the one thing that like Roddy Tastosis, uh, obviously Jeff was the king of it, banter and silliness and fun on a broadcast. And that's something I've never, Maynard does it fantastically. Maynard's at that level with the silliness on the broadcast. I have never quite been there. So I've been trying to get there, I guess. But that is something which is not something you force or you, you don't have a checklist. Like I'm going to say the funny things today. It's just like, I guess, on the, the subconscious level, trying to be more chilled and relaxed. 
remembering to roll with the punches, remembering not to take myself too seriously on the broadcast, being willing to say something silly that ends up making me look stupid because I know that's you have to go through that <laughs> to get to the other yeah. side. Yeah, and that's the hard bit for me because I take myself too seriously when I'm on a big broadcast usually. Yeah. yeah, you can't really force yourself to be the funny person. Then you're the painfully unfunny person. But on the same level, you can't be the funny person without a few clunkers. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> exactly. you just can occasionally have to be like, yep, that didn't hit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but it, it has to happen, so. But, you know, we can add to a good broadcast anyways, even if you are kind of on a, on a bit of a failure day. But uh, yeah, it's, it is a lot about what you can control is going to help you be in a, a healthy mindset, but also just bring that energy to the cast and, and again, make people remember how you made them feel is what I've been saying a lot on this podcast. We're actually like nearing the, the end. So I'm going to end with the conversation that we had actually in Katowice, but has also been a fairly common topic amongst all these podcasts, which is what can we do to make StarCraft II tournaments better? And more specifically, I wanted to discuss with you the idea of caster pairings and then bring up what you and I were discussing, which is the idea of perhaps not just caster pairings, but caster trios. Do you think that we should experiment more with caster pairings? And would you actually really want a couple of tournaments have a caster trio as the default casting setup? I would love caster trio. I think caster trio is the way to go, at least to try it, at least to try it. Like, don't get me wrong. I have no experience with it. So there's, there's always people like, <laughs> no, that's so different. That's crazy. But I listen to a lot of other sports and I draw a lot of inspiration from their broadcasts. Obviously, being Australian, I don't listen. It's always hard because the audience is like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Tony Romeo or whatever. I don't know what their names are. Whatever your American broadcasters are. They're Sorry. like this guy and this guy. I'm like, I've never heard them, but I know cricket commentary. I know tennis commentary. I know Australian sports commentary. Yeah, I really like cricket. Oh, my God. You watch a test match of cricket? That's like five days of like, eight, 10 hours a day of not that much happening. So you want to talk about slow burn banter and shooting the shit with the boys? Like that's a commentary <laughs> and they rotate it many times throughout the day. And it's always three, four people talking and they're just very calmly chatting. And there might be a more expert one who tends to talk a bit more about the details, but a lot of the time they're just telling stories and whatever, because it's, it's like a slow burn, right? Uh, and I'm like, okay, I pick up things from that. I look at tennis and how there's so many lulls in it where they just let the action speak for itself. And some sports do that. You don't do that in StarCraft, but there's other things I pick up from the commentary. And once again, always three or four people in it. It allows more people to just kind of observe. And it allows especially the more analytical person to really make a very poignant kind of summary at a certain point where they can take the time to think of something and then dissect and boil down that complex idea into something that's very simply spoken you don't want it to be overly verbose you don't want it to be all oh, well, because of the, 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 the you know you don't want to like get caught up in the explanation you want to talk about a complex thing and just summarize it which artosis is the king of he's the king of that uh always always inspired by how he does that you know and you can see where he's just he's figuring stuff out sometimes and he's like okay and he'll kind of break it down and you're like oh shit man like my mom can listen to that and understand kind of the idea of what he's talking about. And she can at least feel like she knows what he said. She doesn't feel like she's left in the dirt. Like, like she doesn't understand what's going on in the game. So 
I think it's something where you just give three people, we're going to get more experimentation, a bit more back and forth, a bit more loose. It's less, I speak, you speak, I speak, you speak. Um, so I think you can get more of a conversation going. And it's something I'd love us to try out in the early stages of a tournament, as well as the later stages. I think Home Story Cup's already doing it. I don't think we have three commentators that often, but when we do, I mean, think about it. When you've got Loco, Roddy, and like Maynard, when he did his one, or, or um, I guess like, you know, Ward, I guess Wardy's often not doing the B stream, but who else would often be there? Like Todd, Roddy, and then you'd have, you know, Loco or someone on the, on the couch. It's pretty chill. Uh, it's just a conversation, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling to think of the other mainstay casters as well for some reason, but yeah. I think we could make that a little bit more professional, obviously, rather than Home Story, where they're just literally talking about whatever. And I think it would work really well. So I don't know. Have you thought there'd be any issues with it? Are you keen to try it out? What do you think? Well, I've tried it out online, but it is extremely difficult to compare online and offline casting. The the looks and the feeling of the, the person next to you, not to get lewd, can really help you not talk over each other. Mm. And I've also usually had one of those cases where it is two broadcasters and a player. And just because they're inexperienced like they'll they'll make a lot of very rookie mistakes and like talk over you a lot so i'm not gonna say that it's absolutely bad and i never want to do it <laughs> but i will say that in my experience it's not that fun you do feel like you are forced to take a seat that that hardly matters especially if you're a person who isn't the the experienced guy mm. you know like we have very big personalities in starcraft and and i even have to admit that i have a big personality now you know like i feel like occasionally you know people who aren't broadcasters be on the pylon show and i like i converse with them and then afterwards i'm like oh my god i was bullying that person oh my god <laughs> oh shit um need to calm down here but compared to some of the other guys like i i don't <laughs> so if i was up there with maynard and uh roddy i feel like i would just be like yeah, guys, I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, 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 all right, you keep, you keep talking, you know, then all right, cool. I, I don't know, though. Know, like, I, I almost feel like I wouldn't mind that. Like, obviously, if you're doing that every broadcast, it would suck, right? But I, I, I kind of wouldn't mind the occasional broadcast where I'm sitting there and I'm not even talking that much. And then I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me break this thing down real quick. Like once every few minutes where I'm like, oh, this thing, let me explain the build or let me that's really important because he does that on this map. And if he scouts X, he's going to know he's doing that. And then bam, like, I wouldn't mind that. But I also think it's something where, um, like what you said, I got to echo, like, honestly, online is not the same. I listen to Joe Rogan all the time. Uh, every now and then I go on, on binges of listening to this podcast. And whenever he's trying to convince anyone to do a podcast, he always has the same discussion where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a podcast. It's great. And he's like, oh, cool. Where are you doing it? They're like, here. He's like, oh, how do you get guests? They're like, we call them on Skype or Zoom. And he's like, yeah, that's shit. Like, that's not the same <laughs> because you just can't have a discussion. And obviously I'm doing my podcast the same way. I'm calling people on, on Discord and Zoom and whereby and stuff. And we're doing it right now because it's the best we can do. And, and thankfully we know each other well and we're, we give each other space where we can, but there's delay. There's latency. Um, luckily we can see each other's eyes and face here to a certain extent. So we can kind of read each other's body language to some extent. But it's not the same as when you're in person. It's so much easier to to find the space to talk. So I don't know. I just I would love us to experiment with it. And it's funny because whenever we bring this, we always float it like at a tournament. 
And they're like, yeah, there's only two headsets though. Like we didn't have this plan ahead of time. So it's not set up. We're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Like, so I don't know. I think when we get events going again, let's hit up Apollo. Let's be like, Sean, get us a third headset. It can't be that hard. We're going to do this. We're going to fuck around in the early rounds of a tournament with some three-person broadcasts and see how it goes. And there'll be some fails, but we'll figure it out. And I, I think we'll find some cool combinations that work. Yeah. I always feel so weird about talking to uh, Apollo, not just because I was like a fan of him when I was younger and all that, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like once again I'm the newbie, you know, yeah. like I just got used to the people at WCS <laughs> compared to you guys, and then you guys are like Apollo's my pal, and I'm like I talked to him once over a couple of drinks. It was really cool, guys. <laughs> but I like it is it is great that we have someone that I think that we can trust that we can talk to and give feedback to, and that he'll actually be like, yeah, I see your point. You know, he never just shuts things down, which is really nice. I was talking with Maynard actually on on Discord and how Flashpoint does like a like a a bar thing. Like after the tournament, they'll get to a bar and it'll be like four of them and they'll like talk to a player on well Skype or whatever because things. But I was like, that's so cool, you know, really casual. And Maynard was like, that is really cool. And I said, yeah, it's just like if it was like Joey's Ray, Joy Ray's bar, right from BlizzCon. If you could have that at a tournament and just like sit around and chat with a beer, that'd be so cool. He's like, yeah, you should tell Apollo. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm too shy. I'm not. <laughs> no, you do it. You do it. <laughs> so I, I think he did. I, it is the idea is there, though, that we can try and do this whenever tournaments do come back. And that's. That's really awesome. But the last last question, just kind of flushing this, this the same question out. What about caster pairings? Do you ever think that we should go to a tournament with, uh, you know, the idea in mind that I will cast with you the entire time and Maynard mm. will cast with Roddy the entire time? Do you think that would help or is that just too, is it too much like other esports? Because a lot of esports do this. Or... I, think it's a good, I think it's a good idea. I don't think it's necessary by any means because we are all reasonably good friends and we all do kind of work well with each other. We know how to make it work, right? That being said... Uh, I can, you know, we, we don't need it, but I actually would enjoy it a lot. Cause like I said, in terms of chemistry and humor in these things, that question earlier of like me taking my commentary to the next level. Yeah. I feel a little bit like the village bicycle. Usually when I'm at tournaments where in terms of cast appearings, like I don't cast with the same person twice for a tournament. Like I do, but, um, I often feel like I'm just, I just, I just, cause I, I'm so blase. I'm like, put me with the weather. I'll cast whatever. I don't care. And I don't even care about the series these days. Usually for the most part, I, I'll be like, okay, if I had a bad one, then I'm like, all right, I'm going to snatch that really sexy ZVT right there. Cause I like everyone wants to fight over the ZVTs, but you know, I'm smart. I let people argue over the other series. And then I like save that one. I'm going to, I'm going to actually choose. And I'm like, Oh, it's like, it's the one series over two days I actually chose, guys. Like, it happens to be the ZVT with Sarah <laughs> Innovation. What can I say? So actually, yeah, I guess I do choose some series. But other than that, I, I'm super like, just put me on whatever. Whoever's choosing it, throw me in. I'll do anything with anyone. Um, and that's good. But there is a point where sometimes I get to the end of a tournament and I go, sick, I get to do a finals with Maynard. We've cast two series together this <laughs> tournament so far. This is our second series together. And I guess yeah, I guess, and it was zest. Yeah, <laughs> it was zest rook. <laughs> you guys got so screwed. I'm like, I'm like allergic as well. Um, I think um to this whole idea of not being set with a cast. The reason I'm so keen for caster pairings, and now that you mention it, it's not like I've been pushing for it. But you say it, and I'm like, that would be good for me. I know that would be good for me. 
is because there was like two years where me and Maynard weren't allowed to do the same events together. They they had like an Australian mm. social isolation policy. I don't know why, but I was like, why does he do these two and me uh-huh. do these two? What the hell? And we'd like, we'd see each other at BlizzCon each year. We're like, we're in the same country or in the local studio for the local broadcasts down the road from my house. And I'd be like, why do we not get to see each other overseas until BlizzCon each year? And he's like, I don't know, you know? Um, so it was weird because we just didn't get to cast together that much. And I've always, I mean, Maynard's like a Kolaris almost, where it's like, how, how do you not feel natural commentating with him? Because he is so gifted. But uh, I always wanted to, I guess, push that commentary duo a bit more. Um, I kind of feel the same with you, where I really enjoy commentating with you. I kind of feel like I should commentate with Roddy more just so we can find our rhythm as well. I think like if me and Roddy just had a bit more consistency together, I think we'd settle into a better rhythm, which I think we probably used to have in years past, but we just don't get to do as much concentrated commentary because we used to do like, you know, do all the, do the IEMs, do all the China events, uh, do Mexico. And we just did so many events over a couple of years together. Like we used to share room at every event back in the day when we used to not get our own rooms. So, you know, Roddy was like my, my bigger brother who, who, you know, we used to get to commentate a lot, whereas I feel like we're not as used to commentating together these days. So the rare time we get to, I'm like, cool, like, let's do that again. And we don't get to do it until the last day of the tournament. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like one more. And I think we'll click and the tournament's done and we don't see each other for six months, you know? So, um, yeah, I think cast of pairings would be really nice. I'd, I'd love to work with that. At the same time, if it stays the way it is, like it's it's also nice to just get to have a variety. So I'm very loose on it. I think if I had to be purely self-interested, give us para, para car, ugh, uh, cast of pairings, para castings. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be pretty nice just to get that that rhythm and that chemistry going together a little bit better. Yeah, I can see a lot of perks with it. I always bring up as a question, not because I personally want it either, but I just... I. I see it in other esports as even like the go-to default for a lot of these esports that kind of just pop up and are a little, let's say a little manufactured <clears throat> Overwatch. But I see their, their reasoning, right? And I think it also not only could help the casters individually and, and as a team be better casters, I think it also has a lot to do with branding, yeah. right? Tastosis is an Archon for a reason. And... People try and make, you know, people who are big fans of us will try and make, you know, zombie pig and pig nard and and all that. But it won't really stick until we're actually casting a ton all the time. It's it's also going to help people kind of know what to expect a little bit. There are definitely a lot of good reasons, but the biggest bad reason is that I can't imagine you and Maynard casting and me with literally anyone else, despite liking everyone else and not looking at you like a like a lover who's like being pushed out to sea, like goodbye. It's always a little bit like, like that if you cast with, with tasteless erotosis, right? Yeah. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm taking him away. People are like, put him back, put him back. You put Bert back with Ernie. Okay. You put Bert and Ernie yeah. back together. Get out of here, big bird. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, the, the crowd will also have their, their own reactions too. Cause I can see them going both ways. Give give me that caster pairing that I like, not not these two guys. And well, these two guys actually work great. Like I'm I'm comfortable with this. But in the same way, we have different formats, and that's a good thing for different tournaments. Especially if we were to have more tournaments than previous years, this I feel like the same thing could happen with uh, the choice of caster pairings or not. But yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> um 
it, it can go in that direction. That is that is the scary thing. I also look at, you know, we look at Counter Strike and they come in with different shifts, so they're more fresh. They got the morning crew. They do a set amount of hours, and the afternoon oh, yeah. crew comes in. You're always with the same caster. You're always with the same desk person, and um, they don't get to socialize as much because it's the same person you're always on break with. It's the same person you're always on the desk with or or you do morning we do evening we don't get to see each other that much right um unless it's at the bar after the show and i'm like oh yeah you know i do i want to be in the green room shit talking that that random dude on on reddit or, or talking about the funny shit the guy in twitch chat saying while we're watching the broadcast from the green room and just laughing about silly stuff and telling stories and you know I don't want it to get completely segregated. So that's like the one thing that I think we might end up missing <laughs> if we become too, yeah. too, just split apart. Yeah. You know, looking into the green room with the CSGO casters was definitely a different experience. You know, we don't want to smix other people and just have her <laughs> by herself messaging us on WhatsApp. Oh my. Silly faces. Did, did you tell this story <laughs> in your episode at all with like Maynard? No, I have not. So no. for those who don't know, basically, um, they moved we used to be we used to have the worst green room of all at katowice where it's like is literally like just next to the production and it's like two little couches and the people walking into the arena could look over a banister and look down on us so we were like zoo animals <laughs> and you'd have like tasteless lying there having a nap or something and there's like these fans like is that a sleeping tasteless like <laughs> looking over the banister and we're like yeah this is a little bit awkward but um, it was good because it was right next to the epic entrance tunnel that the players walk down with Sue when they go out to the stage uh, and she would come and sit with us. And she's always she's a consummate professional as well. You know, I always talk about how the hosts and the stage hosts have to work so fucking hard. And actually be like professional TV people, essentially, which which we don't necessarily have to be. They have a whole different skill set. But yeah, she's always asking questions and stuff. She's chatting to us, joking. She's always asking about the player's history, how many wins they have, why it's important, why this strategy is good, which questions she should ask at the end of the game. Should she ask this or this, which is more important? <laughs> and then we get put in this like great green room, I guess you would care. It's a bit of a dungeon, but it's like big and it's got computers and everything. And it's like what? 15 minutes underneath the stadium through a, <laughs> a literal rabbit warren of tunnels. <laughs> that you you cannot get through without getting lost like it is a maze underneath that stadium and yeah and she's like there and she just can't come to see us through the event so she's just sitting on a couch on her own for like <laughs> what 12 hour broadcast days just losing her mind and she's just there posting stuff in the whatsapp like hey guys i'm lonely <laughs> or like oh we're sorry yeah. we don't want to leave our green room though see you tonight smix <laughs> yeah. i was like oh god <laughs> yeah i never once found out how to get to her <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were like oh i want to go visit her it's like no one knows the way through the maze zombie grub don't even try <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh all right well that's a <clears throat> funny anecdote um to end the podcast on it's been um once again over an hour and a half and i still have a billion questions to ask you so that's how it goes man there's so many interesting, interesting things to talk about everyone i've talked to so far has been uh really great it's been one of the best. Uh, thank you so much, Pig, for coming on and talking to me. Go ahead and shout out where that people can find you and what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I guess that just means I have to come back on in the future at some point. So yeah, sometime, absolutely. some many months in the future, hopefully when we're doing live events again, and have even more material to talk about. Um, 
Yeah. Or we're we're VRing ourselves into a virtual studio. I don't know. There's going to be some funny stuff happening in the next year if this keeps up. Uh, you all can find me twitch.tv uh, forward slash x5 underscore pig. If you Google pig and Starcraft and then whatever you want to follow me on, I'm on most of them, Facebook, Insta, whatever. And like a true consummate professional, I use a different handle on almost everyone because they were taken by the time I got to them. One, <laughs> one day I'll fix this like a real professional, but for now, Twitch TV, X5 underscore pig, live most days. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was fun. This was a ton of fun. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check out the Patreon. And I hope to see you back for episode four with Tempo. See you guys later. Thank you again to the people who already supported the Patreon over at patreon.com slash zombiegrub. And a special shout out to Alexander, Nick, and Steven for helping this podcast continue. The next goal is still to look into designers for a logo and overlay for the video. Please check out the rewards, such as receiving early access, and thank you for listening to Caster Calls.